Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me here for this Wednesday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. We're a sports ethos presentation, of course, and I'm your host, Joe Orico. You can find me on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and also at EthosFantasyBB, E-T-H-O-S FantasyBB. We post all of our show links from there, articles, different news and notes from our writers that we share throughout the day. If we have polls, if we have mailbags, we share them out on there as well. All of our baseball content, essentially, uh, you get from following Ethos Fantasy BB. You can also go to sportsethos.com if you're not somebody who uses Twitter, and you can get all of our content across all the major sports. we got gambling, we got DFS, team coverage, a lot of great stuff going on over there, so make sure you're checking it out. Now, I have mentioned it once or twice, but I do want to say off the top here, just to kind of get you guys thinking about it, if you're not somebody who listens to the whole episode, sometimes I'll do that with a podcast. I'll kind of zone out near the end and never get back to it or something uh, I'm very ADD in that way. So if you're not somebody who listened to the end, I believe it was yesterday's show or the day before, maybe even both, uh, I just, sometimes I lose track of these things. But we are going to be doing a live show uh, on the trade deadline day, which is August 1st this year, Tuesday, August 1st. I'm going to be going live from about 1 to 6 p.m. on that day. We have a ton of great industry people that are going to be joining me uh, for that day. Lots of great, fun guests, so make sure you guys are going to be uh, checking that one out. It's going to be live on our YouTube. I'll go live on my Twitter account as well, and we'll have a lot of fun uh, throughout the day. Hopefully, there'll be a lot of moves. Hopefully, we see Otani get traded and a few other pieces move as well. Uh, less than two weeks out, so make sure you're setting uh, your calendars there. A reminder, August 1st, it'll be 1 p.m. to about 6 p.m. Maybe we'll go a little bit longer. Maybe we'll go a touch, probably not shorter, but likely maybe a touch longer. Uh, and then those episodes will be used as uh, that week's kind of podcast. Maybe we'll do a one like follow-up show. Uh, but yeah, make sure you guys are going to be checking that one out because it's going to be a lot of fun. We did it last year. A lot of the same people are going to be joining us again. So it'll be a great time. Hope you guys are going to be able to join us for that. But today... It was kind of a slow news day. Uh, usually, you know, doing a daily show, I'll usually comb through the news in the morning, usually record some time in the mid to late afternoon, and I'll just see kind of what's going on. There's not really too much going on today. There's some day games. There's been a lot more offense we've seen over the last 24 hours or so. Uh, and, you know, a lot of pitchers got knocked around last night. Sandy Alcantara got knocked around today, and a couple, a couple of pitchers got knocked around today. Julio Urias gave up eight earned runs. Not a good day for him. Uh, you know, a couple couple of guys like had those kind of outings, but there's nothing that's that really uh, noteworthy. I don't think to talk about. So, what we're going to be doing today? I tweeted this out a few days ago. Now, I guess it would have been maybe even close to a week now. Uh, tweeting out my prediction for what the first round of 2024 fantasy drafts are going to look like. I did one through 12, and then I also sent out another tweet, uh, kind of predicting what the second round will look like. But today we're going to focus in on the guys that I think are likely to be taken with those early picks next season and kind of my thought process behind it. Now, there is a caveat here to some degree with Shohei Otani, who we're going to get to pretty soon. 
he does vary by format. And a couple of these guys do vary by format. But what I'm going to be talking about here generally is just your standard 5x5 Roto. Not a huge points guy. I like head-to-head quite a bit. And I think with Roto and head-to-head, you can generally apply the same set of rankings. There might be some small tinkering that you can do with them. But honestly, there's not really that much of a difference in terms of how you're going to rank players, whether it's preseason, in-season, day-by-day. There's really not that much difference. I mean, there are some players who go very hot and very cold. Some guys who are more consistent week in and week out, and those more consistent guys will help you more in head-to-head leagues. But again, it's very hard to pinpoint down who those guys are, if that's kind of even a real thing you can look at year after year, month after month. Uh, So we're just going to be talking about standard 5 by 5 Roto, what I expect the first round of drafts to look like next season. And unless something crazy happens, the only thing that could really happen is if he gets hurt, knock on wood, hoping to God that that doesn't happen. But there's nothing at this point right now I don't think that's going to move Ronald Acuna Jr. off of the 101 in drafts last year. He was the 101 in a lot of drafts this year. There was some variation you could go there. It was generally him. Sometimes you saw Trey Turner. Every now and then someone might have jumped up for Jose Ramirez or Aaron Judge or Otani or maybe even Julio uh, in some drafts. But generally, you were seeing Ronald Acuna go at the top of draft boards this past season, even though he was coming off kind of from his standards a bit of a down year. He only batted 266, only 15 home runs over nearly 500 at-bats, which was a little bit concerning. Uh, it's still kind of crazy to think that he stole almost 30 bases last year coming off the ACL. Uh, so I guess if you weren't really that concerned about the speed, but you know, even just uh, off the ACL injury in general, you're always going to be a little bit worried going forward. It, it, you're probably going to be fine, but just another factor, right, that he has just come off a major surgery. Yet he was still number one this year on a lot of drafts, and he has lived up to it more than you could possibly imagine. 23 homers, 44 steals. He's batting 334. He's got 84 runs. We're less than a week out from the All-Star break. Uh, the All-Star break was less than a week ago at this point, or maybe just over a week ago they had the All-Star game. He's got 84 runs. What's he going to have, 130, 140 runs? It's a crazy season. He's one of the best producers in each individual category. It's not even like you know the, sum, the whole is greater than the sum of the parts or whatever. I'm going to mess up that statement. I forget how it goes exactly. Um, but he's somebody who contributes at the top of every single fantasy category. It's very rare. The offense that he plays in is just ridiculously good. You see it every single night. Last night they scored, what was it, 13 runs? or Yeah, it was 13 runs. They still lost to Arizona, but 13 runs. You see it pretty much every single night. that they, They're putting up crazy numbers. Acuna, as that five-category monster that he is, I don't see him going number one, or excuse me, I don't see him going past number one really in any kind of formats. Now, the only place you could maybe argue it is a daily league where you could use Otani as a pitcher on the days where he's pitching and then put him in as a batter on the days where he is not pitching. Uh, you know, ESPN daily leagues will work like that. That's why Otani in those kind of formats, yes, he is the number one pick there, and you could kind of flip-flop him. Because I do have Otani as my number two as of right now for Roto Leagues. I think that even just generally, if you're talking weekly one or the other, you get Otani pitcher or Otani batter. I, I still think he's number two. But if you do get him for you know every single bit of his stat line, which you would get on ESPN and maybe a couple of other sites. ESPN is the one that I know of, and there might be one or two more. Uh, but out of the big sites, that's the only one where I can see Acuna not going first. And, yeah, it's easily Otani, whether it's points or Roto, whatever it is you're playing on ESPN. Uh, getting to use Otani for both, like even just as the batter right now, he is like the number two or three. I think he's number two player overall this season when you're just looking at his batting statistics to go along with incredible pitching numbers. I know he hasn't been as great recently, but still, having that luxury of getting both of those stats is just ab- absolutely absurd. So ESPN, Otani's number one. Everywhere else, I think he is number two, though. Like I said, he is. Let me just t- double-check that and make sure 
uh, that he hasn't. Ch- I think he's probably not changed. But yeah, he's number two still. If you're looking at Yahoo's rankings, just from the batting perspective, he has 35 home runs. He's already surpassed last year's total in 224 fewer at bats. Ridiculous, ridiculous numbers he's putting up across the board. It's not just the homers. He's got nearly 70 runs, 76 ribbies. He's stolen 11 bases, which again, he's already matched last year's total for steals. And he's batting 307. He's just ridiculous. That's just the batter. You know, if you're able to use him for both, if you're able to use him either or, it doesn't really matter. There's so much value there. Now, if you're just talking about Yahoo, it's a little bit different because he is two totally separate players. I'd still think the batter is going to be taken somewhere in that upper half of the first round. And then the pitcher is going to probably go somewhere, you know, in the third or fourth round next year. Because, I mean, if you look what he's done on the mound, he's the 66th ranked player overall. Maybe he goes a little bit farther than the third or fourth round. But 105 innings, 139 strikeouts, a 350 ERA, which it was a lot lower earlier on. He's had a few rough starts over the last month, a couple recently against Houston and San Diego. And then if you go back to June, there was a bad one against Seattle, another bad one against Houston. But generally, he's been amazing. Uh, He's been amazing from both sides of the ball. The, The Yahoo question is... A little bit tricky, I guess, if you're just taking him as a batter, but I think you could still argue that he's the number two pick there behind Oton, or excuse me, behind Acuna, even without the pitching statistics. Even if you're just looking at what he does at the plate, you're still getting, as of right now, the number two overall player, and I don't see that moving too far down. I think at worst you're going to get from the batter, Otani, again, assuming he finishes out the year with health, you're going to get no worse than the third or fourth ranked player if you have the batter. So I think it's completely reasonable to expect him to go in the first couple of picks at worst, you know, four or five picks of drafts next year, even if he's just as a batter. So that is my one and two. Those guys are kind of in a world of their own, I would say, Acuna and Otani. They're just so much better than everybody else. Now, not to say that the rest of these guys aren't talented because there's a lot of talent in the first round. And, you know, I got a lot of people responding to this tweet saying, what about this guy? What about that guy? What about this guy? Because in all honesty, there's like maybe – you know, 19 or 20 players, you could argue maybe even more, who could be first-round picks this year. Uh, There is a ton of talent. But let's move on to my number three as of right now. That's Fernando Tatis Jr. He'd be the guy that I think is is likely to go in number three. Not to say that these are going to be my actual rankings. I guess they kind of are as of now. But this is how I generally expect it to go. Uh, Tatis at three, if not, some people might even take him higher. I don't see him going ahead of Acuna in any format. Maybe some people will take him ahead of Otani. He's, he's just brilliant, right? Even coming off of the PEDs and, and the injuries and the surgeries, he looks – I mean, he's clean or else he wouldn't be playing right now. Uh, he's healthy in only 313 at-bats. You're already looking at 55 runs, 49 ribbies, 17 homers and 15 stolen bases to go along with a 284 batting average. So even though he missed the first month of the season, we're still probably going to see potentially a 30-30 from Tatis despite missing nearly, I believe, April 20th or 21st was when he actually came back this year. And he's just been the same great Tatis that he has always been when he's been out there and healthy. Uh, You know, it's a little bit different now. His value, you have to kind of look at it through the lens of just an outfielder because he's not going to be carrying shortstop eligibility beyond this season. He has not appeared there one time this season, uh, three times in center, 72 times in right. That is what he plays now. So it's a little bit different to gauge that value as opposed to being a shortstop, but I argue it makes him more valuable. Shortstop was such a crowded position that you could justify passing on Tatis in the early rounds, not not even the early rounds, the early, the first round, because there is such a depth at shortstop in general. You could go get a Seager or a Semien or a Bichette or whoever by waiting a little bit or even just, you know, later on in the first round kind of thing. Now in the outfield, I think it's a more scarce position, specifically in your five outfielder leagues. You're going to want to take an outfielder 
you know, earlier in those particular formats, Tatis is going to go incredibly high. He's already going to be a perennial top five pick, regardless of where his positional eligibility was. But the fact that he's going to be carrying outfield eligibility now, that's his position. That's what he's going to be now for forever. I don't see him going back into the infield. Maybe he does at some point, but his defensive metrics are so strong in the outfield. That's where he's going to be, and I think that we're going to see him at worst top three fantasy pick every single year as long as he's healthy. And if not, maybe even number one in some cases. There might be some people, maybe, who take him number one over Acuna next year. Not to say that it's you know, it's completely within the realm of possibility that he could outproduce him. You don't always see the number one draft pick perform as the number one player, but I think it's very safe to, to say it could be Acuna, then Otani, and then Tatis at number three. But again, Tatis is about as talented as you could possibly find. Uh, there'd be it'd be hard to argue against taking him even as high as number one. If you're getting a full 162 games out of him, uh, you, you could really take him as high as you like, and you wouldn't be wrong. It's just Acuna is so great, and the versatility of Otani, especially where you get, you know, in NFBC kind of leagues where you get both players or ESPN, there's just, there's just so much value there. But let's move on to number four, and that's Freddie Freeman for me. Freddie Freeman is just unbelievably great. He is currently right now the number three player overall for the season. 17 homers, 12 steals. He's got 76 runs, 64 ribbies, and he's batting 323. He's going to surpass his season from last year where he was looking like it was just about as good as you could possibly find in terms of a value for Freddie Freeman. 117 runs, 100 RBIs, 21 homers, 13 steals, and he batted 325. He's going to surpass the run total most likely. We're only talking about him needing about 40 more runs to surpass that total. could easily see that. In fact, it would be crazy if he doesn't surpass that. He only needs four more home runs to tie what he had last season in 2022. He's going to do that. He's already within you know 35 RBIs. He's probably going to match what he did last year. He's already within one steal of what he had last year. And we already kind of... It was kind of a weird thing, Freddie Freeman, just turning on the Jets last season. Now, maybe you could have expected it this year a little bit with the rules changing, but last year there wasn't really any reason to expect a 13-steal season from Freeman, yet he gave it to us. This year he's going to maybe give you 20 stolen bases to go along with what could be 25-30 home runs. He's going to be one of the best batting average assets you're going to find there, again, year after year in the 320s at this point. He's, for the career, exactly a 300 hitter. He has got his career number up to 300 after some of the early seasons. You're looking at batting averages in the 250s, the 260s. He's a 300 hitter. Over these last several years, 341, 300, 325, 323. He's giving you steals. He's giving you power. He's giving you everything. Uh, you know, Maybe some people, and somebody pointed out in the comments that Freeman probably won't go that high, but he should go that high. He's just perennially undervalued, and, and it's very true. For whatever reason, people seem to not buy in, and they'll let him slip to the end of the first round, or maybe even some cases to the beginning of the second round, because he's getting older. I guess that would be the only real reason I could see for having any kind of wanting to fade Freddie Freeman. Uh, but again, he is just so solid. I've referenced this a few times because I think it was such a great quote when we had Matt Williams. He was here before the season, I believe in January or February. Uh, Matt Williams, who works with the game day, we were talking about different players and their ADPs and different positions and, and a lot of different facets of the fantasy game, uh, essentially. But uh, focusing on, on ADP risers and fallers at that point. And we were saying Freddie Freeman, Matt said, you could write his numbers down in pen pretty much and you know what you're going to get. And it's true, and it might even be better. <laughs> you might have to get out of the whiteout, but it'll be to increase those numbers, not to decrease them, uh, because Freddie Freeman is just that good. So I do see him legitimately going as the number four pick in a lot of fantasy drafts next season. Uh, again, another guy where if somebody did want to go and take him first overall, it'd be hard to put a really good argument against it. I mean, I know that there's so much talent right at the top there, so you could say, 
Yeah, you know, you may have reached a little bit of Otani, or excuse me, Acuna, Otani, whoever might be a little bit safer, Tatis. But Freeman is just so damn good year in and year out. I don't think at 33 years old, I'm not, he'll be 34 heading into next year, but I still don't think we're, we're done yet. He just gets, seems to get better almost every single year. Uh, so I do see him going right at the top of drafts again next season. Now, this one is going to be a new couple guys in a row here are going to be kind of newcomers to the first round, I guess, depending on some leagues. Maybe the second guy won't be. But Corbin Carroll, he's going to be going in the first round of drafts next season. He absolutely deserves to. He's been electric. He has been everything you could have hoped for and more. You were drafting him. I mean, it really varied. In my home league, I was able to draft him. Um, where was it? I think in the 70s overall, 72 or something overall. Uh, generally in NFBC drafts, it was going up all all winter. His price was going up, but I think he settled in around maybe a third round kind of pick in a lot of places. And even that was pretty bold for somebody who coming into the season had 32 games that were relatively unimpressive. They were they were not bad or anything, but they weren't, you know, he didn't light the world on fire. People were drafting him very high up. Now I bought in in my home league specifically because I was getting him in the 70s. I wouldn't have paid a third or a fourth round price because I just, you know, I'd rather take more of a sure thing, somebody with a more of a track record. But my God, you could have taken him as high as <clears throat> fifth or sixth this year, and you would have been fine with it. According to Yahoo, he's the eighth-ranked player overall, 18 homers, 28 stolen bases. He's striking out less than 20% of the time. He's walking at a good 8.7% clip, a well above league average, 286 batting average. Everything he's doing is incredible. If you look at some rest-of-season projections from the bat or the bat X, you're probably going to look at a guy who's going to give you a 30-40 season here as a rookie. It's just ridiculous. It's just ridiculous value we've gotten from Corbin Carroll. Now projecting forward, he's been one of the he's been the number one prospect for a couple, or I guess since after I'm actually not sure who was the guy right before him who was the number one that graduated that made Carroll number one. If it was Julio or Bobby Witt, I can't remember now. He's been number one for he was number one for a while, and you could see why minor league levels he just dominated, and he's dominated now in the major leagues as a 22 year old. I think that he's going to go at the at the least number five overall. Another one of those guys where people are just going to take him very very high. I tweeted it out a while back, a month or two ago. I think it could still possibly be true that there will be people who do jump and take Corbin Carroll with their number one pick out of the excitement, out of the hope for growth, out of whatever reason. Uh, I, I wouldn't do it personally, but I think there will be people who take Corbin Carroll first overall, and they wouldn't be crazy. Like He is just incredibly talented. I, I love everything about the kid. He's awesome. Uh, I'm very glad to see him uh, doing well here, and I do think that he'll be going number five probably in a lot of fantasy drafts next season. Let's talk about number six. This is the first pitcher, technically, the only pitcher that I have in the first round if we're not counting Shohei Otani. And, I mean, it depending on who you are, you, you can count him. I, I mean, I, I don't really, because I think a lot of people, even if they draft the dual Otani batter pitcher, are going to use him as the batter majority of the time. So the first true pitcher that we have here is Spencer Strider. Spencer Strider pitches for what is the best team in baseball, a team that is set up forever for the next 10 or so years to just be pumping out successful teams. They have a bunch of team-friendly contracts. They can afford to keep adding on more pieces around them. They've been talked about as a potential Otani suitor. They're just going to keep getting better and better. You're going to get wins out of him. You're going to get wins galore. He's already got 11 right now. Even though the ERA, a little bit higher, there's been a couple of blow-ups here and there. The ERA is maybe a little bit higher than we would hope at 366. But he's got 176 strikeouts in 110 innings. It's, got, it's ridiculous. It's really ridiculous. Like We're talking about all-time great kind of strikeout numbers. We're talking about like a 40% strikeout rate here. Just under it, 39% strikeout rate with good control, a 7.5% walk rate, very reasonable. 
everything he's doing seems to be very, very sustainable. We were kind of worried coming into this year what he's going to look like in his second season. He's just gotten better, you could argue. You know, the ERA isn't quite what it was last year. Those pitching indicators are just as good. The Sierra is excellent. XFIP, uh, FIP, everything. Everything is just incredible. Uh, by far the best Sierra in baseball at 265. Last year was 241. He is a guy who is going to pitch year after year and give you mid-twos ERAs on a great team with the highest strikeout upside in baseball. And I think people will take him as high as five or six overall very easily. When we get down to main event season next year in the NFBC, once we get to, you know, mid, late March when people are drafting live and people are drafting in Vegas and people are, you know, really getting getting going in the NFBC circle, the high stake circles, Spencer Strider, he's, you know, the max pick might be number six. He's going to go very, very high up in a lot of cases. And it is perfectly justified. Uh, you know, I would not let him slip beyond this kind of range, middle of the first round, because the talent is just stupidly high. Whatever your format is, Spencer Strider, I think, is easily a first-round pick. Now, Dynasty, again, I'm not usually a big Dynasty guy, but I find it hard to believe that even where pitchers are kind of devalued in the Dynasty League, he'd be going much outside of the first round. Whatever you're talking, Spencer Strider is about as elite as it gets on the mound. Again, stri highest strikeout upside in baseball, the best team in baseball, the best pitching metrics in baseball, you know, the Sierras and the XFIPs of the world. There's just no reason not to love him as the number one pitcher for next year. Even as of right now, you can you can write that down. He'll be my number one pitcher in my rankings next season. He'll be a lot of people's number one pitcher. And I do think that he'll go somewhere in the middle of a lot of first rounds. Let's move on to number seven here, Mr. Mookie Betts. Now, I got a couple people saying maybe Mookie's a little bit too high here. I don't think so. You're getting second base, shortstop, and outfield eligibility. According to Yahoo's rankings, he's the number four ranked player on the season. 75 runs, 65 ribbies, 27 homers. The only kind of downside here, seven stolen bases, a little bit lower than maybe what you'd hope for, especially with the rules being expanded. He's also batting 282, by the way. Uh, but I, I mean, he's not really somebody that we've seen over the last couple of years steal a ton of bases, you know, uh, ever since he left Boston, even while he was with Boston, you know, he had... That last year in 2019 with Boston, he only stole 16 bases. And since then, we've seen 10, 10, 12, and now 7. So we kind of have to expect the stolen bases aren't going to be as crazy as they once were. But we're talking about a guy who right now is on about a 40 homer pace. Even with the steals being a bit down, we're probably going to look at 15 to go along with a 280 or so batting average. Probably 100 RBIs, definitely over 100 runs. Like you're getting all that production in an amazing lineup with eligibility all over the place, second, short, and outfield. That is incredibly valuable to have regardless of your format. You know, we've seen it this year. You see it every year, how many injuries there are, being able to move a guy back and forth from the infield to the outfield, daily changes, weekly changes, whatever it is, is incredibly valuable. Now, especially when that guy has so much talent like Mookie. You might, some people might say, you're going to take him with your first-round pick. You know, you're going to slot him into second or to short or the outfield, and then you're not going to move him around that much. No, that's not the way that a lot of years work out. You're going to be moving guys around, especially if you have the luxury to. If you have the luxury to move a guy like Mookie around, you absolutely should if it fits your team. And a lot of times you're going to need that versatility when injuries come knocking or in daily changes when guys are sitting. Okay, I can put Mookie here. I can slot in this guy, blah, blah, blah. It has untold value regardless of your format. I do think Mookie is going to be a middle-of-the-first-round kind of guy again next season easily. So I have him slotted in here at number seven. Now, this is where I start my, I might start getting myself in a little bit of trouble here, but I do think this is where he is going to go in a lot of cases. And we're talking Ellie Dela Cruz here at number eight. I had a little bit of trouble where to slot him. At first, I thought he might go as high as fifth overall. I've seen some people say that. At first, that's kind of what I was thinking as well. But I think at this point, 
a number eight. Like, I can't justify putting him ahead of any of the other guys that I've had. There's no way you're putting him ahead of Acuna, Otani, Tatis, Freeman. Maybe you want to argue Corbin Carroll. You know, Carroll just one year ahead of, of Dela Cruz. Not even a whole year ahead because Dela Cruz came up in the middle of this year. Carroll was at the end of last season. You want to project forward for Dela Cruz on an up-and-coming amazing team in a hitter's park. Uh, you, you could make the argument maybe, but I, I just couldn't do it after seeing what Carroll has done, sustained, especially with the batting average, where I think that might be something that Dela Cruz struggles with a little bit because of the high strikeout rate. That's the only thing keeping him outside of that top five or six for me. And again, having him at eight here, as somebody with 35 games under their belt, might be a little bit aggressive. But again, we're talking about somebody who, even though he's only going to play this year about 90-some-odd games, he's going to hit you probably about 15 home runs. He's going to steal about 30 bases. The batting average is tricky to project, right? In the minor leagues, always good batting average with a high strikeout rate. It's hard to project. That's going to carry over to the same degree at the major league level. He's batting 288 through his first 35 games. But it's coming with a 32% strikeout rate and a 409 BABIP. So you're, you're going to see that number come down a little bit. Again, he's going to run high BABIPs. He's always going to run high BABIPs. I said this a few times recently. He is so fast that those balls that are hit on the infield, especially to the left side, that a lot of people do not beat out those, you know, the BIP part, the balls in play, that he is going to get successfully to first base on where a lot of guys do not just because of how fast he is. He is the fastest player in Major League Baseball. That being said, it's still a little high at 409. I don't think it'll rest there. It'll probably rest somewhere in the 360s or 370s. At that point, you're probably looking at the batting average at like 250, 260. A lot of the projections for batting average are between, well, all of them are between 245 and 258. That's probably where he's going to sit, somewhere in that range. And it's okay because he's going to be giving you so many home runs, so many stolen bases. And I tweeted it out yesterday. I talk about it a lot, how great Cincinnati's lineup is now. It's so stacked that Spencer Steer, who's been a top 100 player, People are already dropping him because he sits one day because, you know, they're worried about playing time. I'm not really worried, by the way, if you listen to or if you didn't listen to yesterday's show, uh, you can go back and listen to that beginning of that one because I did talk about Spencer Steer and the concerns there. But that's how good this team is, that you have a guy that's, that's literally that talented that needed to take a seat. He's going to be one of the guys in that revolving door who sits every eighth or tenth day or whatever it is. But regardless of that, the, the team is just so strong. They're up and coming. They're just getting better and better. Strand is now up in the big leagues. Matt McClain has been you know, an absolute hero for a lot of teams of mine and everybody's. Uh, you know, there's just nothing not to like there, especially in that ballpark. Uh, you know, you could see him easily go for like a 30 home run, 50 stolen base season. Uh, so I do think that Ellie Dela Cruz is going to go at worst, you know, end of the first round. But I do have him slotted in here at number eight. Number nine, I have Jose Ramirez. I'm a huge fan of Jose Ramirez. He's been excellent recently uh, over the last month. He's been really good. He started off a little slow, but overall, we're looking at 14 home runs, 10 stolen bases, a 288 batting average, 58 runs, 54 RBIs. Again, another guy you could pretty much write the numbers down in pen. We're about halfway through the season. If you doubled his stats right now, we're a little more than halfway through, but he's generally about on pace for what he gave you last year. I just think in a year where there's been some third basemen that have kind of come alive for you for fantasy purposes, you know, Gunnar Henderson, uh, geez, I just had another one in my head and it just blanked out on me. Uh, Matt McClellan, no, no, not Matt, Matt, Jesus, who was the other third baseman? Uh, it just literally popped out of my head. There was Steer. Uh, I was literally just talking about the guy, uh, you know, a guy like Paredes who has third base eligibility as well. There's been some guys that have kind of had a lot of value where you didn't need to reach as high on third base as maybe some people did in the preseason. And I was one of those people who was, you know, not trying to wait too long on third base. But I think that the part of that, you know, the part of some of these guys coming alive this season at third is going to push the value down of a guy like Ramirez just a little bit. I don't see him going 
as high up as we have seen in years past as a top five pick. I just don't know that we really need to be using that kind of a pick on him when we got guys like even like Josh Young, Yandy Diaz with eligibility, Steer, you know, Alec Bohm. I know Nolan Gorman hasn't been as great recently. Yeah, he's picked it up, I guess, over the last couple of weeks. But there's just a lot of guys who have that eligibility. Kim, uh, you know, there's Colorado's McMahon. There's a lot of guys who have third base eligibility uh, that you can kind of wait on a little bit. And I think part of the reason why Ramirez went so, so high is because of that third base eligibility, especially this past season. That was a huge talking point, you know. Not to say that the production wasn't great. It is, and he's still you know, a top three third baseman in terms of production behind just Devers and Arenado this season. I just don't know if we need to reach to the top of the first round for him anymore. Again, he's going to be a guy who gives you close to 100 runs and 100 RBIs, 25 homers, 20 steals, and a good batting average. It's all incredibly solid across the board. I just think there is more exceptional players to be had a little bit higher up the board here in the first round. And honestly, I could make the argument to push Jose Ramirez down even one or two more picks. I could make the argument that the guy I'm about to talk about here at number 10 should be excuse me, should be taken ahead of him, but I won't. I'll put, I'll keep the standings or the rankings as they are. And that'll be Kyle Tucker, uh, who I have in here at number 10. He's just incredible. And you asked today, I'm um, just looking at his stats line today as I'm recording this, uh, two stolen bases already. He's, got, he's also scored a run. Now we're talking for the season, 14 homers, 17 steals. He's batting, I guess with today's number, he's just about the three. He was 298 coming in. He's one for three. So I think he's like 299 or whatever it would be. Uh, 62 RBIs, 48 runs. The only thing that kind of suppressed his value as a whole last season was the horrible start that he had to the year, batting 257. That pushed Kyle Tucker down quite a bit in terms of overall rankings. He was ended up being like a second, you know, I think mid-second, early third range kind of value because he ended up batting 257. Now, this year he didn't have that cold, cold start. He's batting 298. He's still on pace to give you that same kind of, you know, 25 to 30 home run range. 25 to 30 stolen base range to go along with, you know, high 90s runs and probably 100 RBIs. He's in an amazing lineup. He does bat higher up in that lineup than we have seen in previous years. You know, they used to piss everybody off, especially in the fantasy world. Batting Kyle Tucker fifth or sixth or seventh. He's batting third. That's about as much as you can hope for in this great lineup. He's given you great production, especially over the last month. 21 RBIs, batting 337 over the last month. He's very consistent, again, at a fairly thin outfield position, especially in five outfielder leagues. So, I don't see Kyle Tucker falling out of the first round. He's definitely somebody that I think is firmly in there at the back end of first rounds and somebody that you could even argue maybe push up a couple of spots if you wanted to take him ahead of Kyle Tucker or excuse me, take him ahead of uh, Jose Ramirez. Then I would be totally fine with that. Uh, I think that he is an incredibly elite talent that should not be falling anywhere beyond this kind of range, solidly inside of the top 10 fantasy picks. Now, number 11, I had Bo Bichette here. Bo Bichette is about as solid as they come. Every single year, it seems like he's leading the league in hits. There was two consecutive years uh, that he has led the league in hits. I believe it's all of Major League Baseball. It might be the American League, but at, at the very least, it's the American League. I think potentially all of baseball. And he's doing it again this year, 128 hits already. 53 RBIs, 47 runs. It's kind of been a down month a little bit for him. And again, even in that down month, he's batting 330. He just isn't stealing bases anymore which is the only kind of frustrating thing. But the elite production you're getting everywhere else, he's going to be close to a 30 home run guy. He's going to drive in close to 100. He's going to score close to 100. And then I think even at the worst case, you're getting, he's only got three stolen bases. I do think we'll probably see him get close to 10 by the end of the season. And you're getting elite as it gets kind of batting average at 318. Probably going to end up the season in that same kind of range. He just, every year, seems to get a little bit better at putting the bat on the ball. Those contact skills are incredible. So I do think that, you know, given the talent, given the great lineup context, again, a similar thread here we got throughout pretty much everybody. I mean, we're gonna, that's going to stop with my 12th uh, pick here to end off the first round. But 
pretty much everybody we're talking about here is in a great lineup, great ballpark, and have those great factors working for them. There's no difference there with Bo Bichette. You know, the Blue Jays said as recently as earlier today, Ross Atkins, the GM, said they're going to try and add more pieces to this team. They need to. They, I think they, even though the offense is pretty good, they need to keep adding pieces year in and year out. And I think while they have this window where they have Bo Bichette, who I don't know 100% if he's going to be coming back to Toronto once his contract is done. He's kind of a guy that's very hard to read. I think they're going to put all the chips into the middle of the table while they can with Vladdy and Bo, and they're going to put even a better offense around this team going forward. Not to say that it's bad. It's not. They're fourth in hits, fifth in batting average, 11th in slugging. Uh, you know, they're a good offense. They're not a great offense. They're a good offense. I think they're going to get even better, and I think they're going to continue to add pieces around Bo. And even if they don't, the production that he gives you alone with the home runs, the counting stats, and the batting average, I think is worthy of the end of the first round. Number 12, I have Bobby Witt Jr. And Bobby Witt Jr. does what Bobby Witt Jr. continues to do. Uh, you know, these last couple of seasons, he's become, not to say that he's consistent because it's only been a couple of seasons, but he's on pace again for something very similar, if not a little bit better than what we saw last season. Uh, 50 runs already. He's going to probably surpass the 82 he had last year. 51 ribbies, probably surpass the 80 he had last year. He's within four home runs and three stolen bases of his numbers from last year as well. So I think those will be surpassed. He's currently sitting at 16 homers, 27 steals. You're probably going to look at about 25 and 40 from Bobby Witt Jr. Now, the thing that distinguishes, I think the thing that separates him and Bo Bichette, he steals more bases than Bo Bichette. He has a much worse batting average. And I think in the environment we currently live in where stolen bases are a lot easier to come by, we've seen it this year. with It's been an explosion. Stolen bases are going to be devalued. I think Bo Bichette is somebody where, the, because the batting average is so high, that's more of a hot commodity. He'll go a little bit ahead of Bobby Witt Jr. here. I think that's the way it's going to go. Uh, Bobby Witt Jr. is, again, incredible. I think the batting average is the only thing that kind of sinks you a little bit. 253, it doesn't even sink you. Uh, but just compared to some of the other guys where you can get high batting average in the first round, I would put him below them, but still very solidly in that first round. Now, the guys who just missed the first round, uh, for me, Aaron Judge, Julio Rodriguez, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., specifically Judge and Julio, I guess, are the ones that people were asking about a lot. Julio has been very good, and I again, having him at 14, I still think is, is, is incredible. You know, some people are going to take him at the end of the first round. He's just been a little bit disappointing in terms of that batting average. Maybe the power hasn't been quite what we would have hoped. Steals have gone up for him, which, yes, steals have gone up for everybody, so that's kind of been what we expected. But I think it's just been kind of generally a little bit disappointing with Julio to the point where I think that he is going to be falling a little bit beyond what we saw him go uh, this year's drafts. Top five pick consensus all across the board. And I think a lot of the, you know, you have to look back at the offense as well. Now it's chicken or the egg kind of thing. Is the offense bad because of Julio? Is Julio bad because the rest of the offense is bad? But they're bottom five in a lot of important metrics, you know, average hits on base percentage, slugging. They're bottom five, bottom six team in a lot of those categories. They're not really excelling anywhere offensively. The highest ranking they have are any of these team stats is runs per game, and they're 15th in runs per game, very middle of the pack, unless they're best ranking in any of those categories. Runs, hits, average, slugging, OPS, homers, steals. They don't really excel in anything. And Julio, I think it's hard to justify putting him in the first round with some of those other names, considering how bad the rest of the offense is around him. Now, you argue Bobby Witt Jr. is doing similar things. I just think, you know, it's, it's, you're nitpicking at that point. The third base, shortstop, eligible guy versus the outfielder. It could go either way where they're within two picks of each other. I think you're going to get maybe a better average from Julio going forward. It's very close. Like, their end-of-season stat lines are going to look very similar, and I don't think it's really that big of a deal to put one ahead of the other, really. 
Uh, I do have Julio at 14 and Aaron Judge at 13, and I guess I could flip-flop those ones as well. You're, you're nitpicking at, at, the, at this point, really, because there's just so much talent to be had everywhere. Uh, I mean, Acuna's pretty solidly one and Otani two, but after that, you could kind of mix this around a little bit. Aaron Judge is going to go in the first round in some drafts. It's going to happen. Now, the injury stuff has kind of worried me a little bit. We haven't seen him play in more than a month, and it's hard for me to put somebody who's been on the shelf for so long in that first-round category with some of the other names that we mentioned. Now, the production that we get on a per-game basis from Judge is top five in baseball. You know, He's got 19 home runs, 40 rebbies, 42 runs, a 291 average. That was in 175 at-bats. That's just ridiculous production that we've gotten out of Judge in a short time period. Hasn't been a long season for Judge. I'm just going to take a look at how many games he's played. I guess it's like, is it 50 maybe? What is it? 49, pretty close. And I just can't look at him with that awful offense around him and, you know, the potential for, I don't know what they're going to do. They're not going to be sellers, but they're not going to be a team that's adding a ton of pieces, I don't think, either, based on where they sit in the division, based on how they've been these last few years. They're not the Yankees of old. They're not the team that's going to go and outspend everybody else. They're at the bottom of the American League East. They're not a very solid offense at all. We've seen that without him. If you want to talk about bottom five offenses, they're 28th in hits. They're 28th in batting average, 26th in on base, 22nd in OPS. They're fifth in home runs. That's about the only thing that they excel in offensively. And without Judge, I mean, he's hit 19 of their 132 home runs here. You're talking about a guy who's been out for you know quite a while. He's hit 15% of their home runs. He hasn't played going back you know more than a month. Hard for me to justify putting him in the first round. Hard to justify taking him out, you know, the flip side of that coin, considering the per-game production he gives you. But I do think that there are safer options to be had inside of that first round. So I'm going to recap again once more who I have here. Ronald Acuna at number one, Shohei Otani at number two, Fernando Tatis Jr. at number three, Freddie Freeman at number four, Corbin Carroll at number five, Spencer Strider at number six, Mookie Betts at number seven, Ellie Dela Cruz at number eight, Jose Ramirez at nine, Kyle Tucker at 10, Bo Bichette at 11, and then Bobby Witt Jr. rounding out the first round at number 12. Guys, let me know what you think. You can go back and find that tweet. It was from July 13th. Let me know in the comments uh, on YouTube. Oh, not on YouTube. This isn't on YouTube. Uh, over on that tweet, what you think. If you want to let me know, in the even in the rating, review section down of the show, what you think of this list. I'd really appreciate hearing any feedback you guys got. The easiest way probably is through DM at JoeOrico99 over on Twitter. You can also go and check out all the other great work from our staff here at the baseball side of Sports Ethos here at Ethos Fantasy BB over on Twitter, and of course, sportsethos.com for all the rest of our great content. But guys, we'll be back again tomorrow. We're going to talk about some news and notes. Hopefully there's more that goes on during the day tomorrow, because today it was overnight. There just wasn't really that much to talk about. But tomorrow we'll get back, and we'll see what we got to talk about. But until then, hope you guys have a great night. Take care. We'll see you in the morning. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.